welcome to Blaze Pod. It is Monday, the sixth of July. My name is Ben, and on the line as always, it's Andrew. How are you feeling today, Paul? I'm all right, mate. What about you? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm one all draw with Burnley. Good mood today. So <laughs> you know, kind of like could be better, but also pretty good. Pretty good start to the week, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm all right with that. I've th- took a point before. I think it's a really difficult game. Obviously, tired legs as well. I think the narrative were a bit weird on the uh, on Sky actually, where they were like sort of saying, "Oh, Burnley have had all these injuries and they can't put a team together." It's like, well, yeah, we're very similar to be honest. Yeah, we, you know, we, we talked last time, didn't we, about how they, you know, pretty much couldn't cobble together a bench whatsoever. Burnley, yeah, could they? I mean, they had like, I think the last game they named seven subs, two were keepers, three were academy players, or maybe even four were academy players, but starting to get back to strength. I guess against us. Although they were missing um, me and uh, another central defender whose name temporarily has slipped my mind. I love when I love ben Mee's name, by the way, when Cohen say, and it's really childish. But like when it, good shot by me. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, I mean, generally, just uh, I, I think we did mention this last time as well. But it does feel like football is is kind of normal again. Yeah, like, in terms I, I, of- I think so. On-field products, anyway. I mean, it, arguably, it's actually better. You know, if, you, if you're just going on purely um, goal number of goals per game. I mean, I think midweek it was like we're averaging like four and a half goals per game for like two or three days. There, it was insanely entertaining. Yeah. Well, I think we did call this in a way that the first couple of weeks were going to be a bit slow, um, mm. and then it, obviously when teams get back to full fitness, obviously teams like Liverpool are still not at it. But I don't know how much that's to do with how drunk they've been, <laughs> yeah. rather than like how well they're playing. But I watched, uh, I mean, that Villa-Liverpool game didn't look like a normal Liverpool-Villa game, I think, in a normal circumstance of Liverpool-Amaram, to be fair. Mm. Uh, Villa were quite unlucky not to win. But I think like the, the Southampton-Man City game were brilliant. For, considering there were nothing to play for, really, for both sides. Mm. So, it was like a proper cup-tie sort of game. And obviously, everyone's full tilt. It, like Southampton defended unbelievably well. And, yeah, it made me... It, I, I completely forgot there were no crowds there, to be honest, in that match. Yeah, and I think our game as well, United-Burnley, you know, it was, we'll obviously talk about it in a lot of detail, but just on, in, in more general terms, I think it was I think it was a good game as well. You know, I, I enjoyed mm. the the standard of football being played for yeah, I'm quite the majority of it. Yeah, of course, I saw some of our fans. Sorry, yeah, some of our fans were saying oh, it were a bit like a championship game. I disagreed. I thought two contrasting styles in, in many ways. Yeah. But... Uh, I thought it were, a, it were a good quality game, to be honest. Yeah, particularly the first half, you know, I think, um, yeah, not to jump ahead too much, but I think we, we got stifled a little bit um, as, as the game mm. kind of went on. But I thought the first half was like a really entertaining half and could easily have been like, yeah. you know, two all or something at half time. It was almost surprising. Uh, there was only one goal in it at half time. But yeah, yeah. I thought we started well, had a bit more possession, looked the more dangerous, but they had the best chance. So. Indeed. Um, just before we get to that, obviously, that takes us the one all draw. Takes us to 48 points, which means we have the same amount of points as uh, Norwich and Villa combined, which is quite amusing. And um, mm. also, as you pointed out the other day, the lowest we can finish now is uh, 15th. So keep keep ticking yeah. them off, you know, just keep uh, keep chalking up the points and see how high up we can finish. What? Um, well, just just to throw this out there, what what's your uh, what's the bare minimum you'd like to see for the rest of the season in terms of league position? I guess what, what's the point? Where you tip into being a little bit disappointed with how it's I think you'll be disappointed below 12th, which could easily happen because it's so close. I'm just looking at it now. Yeah. Like Southampton are 13th with 43 points. There are only five offers with five to play. You know, they could catch us up. We've got a better goal difference and stuff. But I think below 12th, I'm thinking, mm, I think we're a little bit better than that, to be honest. I mean, 
I think top ten is a realistic aim, yeah. but I think twelve. I'd be happy. I, you know what? Twelfth is not bad, is it? It's not. No, I think I'd be. Oh, this is so. I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but I, I would be slightly disappointed now if we finished outside the top ten. I think because yeah. I feel yeah. like we've had a better season than. Well, I don't want to finish behind Newcastle, whatever the hell happens. But yeah. you know, uh, yeah. Everton had like a few months of crisis, didn't they? and I know they have much better players than us in a lot of positions, but. You know, I feel like I feel like we owe it to ourselves to finish in the top ten. Put it like that. I think it's realistically you're looking at Burnley, Tottenham, Everton. I mean, obviously Newcastle, Southampton, even Palace could catch us up, but they've got nothing to play for. And you wonder the motivation. We know crowd and stuff. Are they going to be as at it? I don't know. Matt working the favour. It seems to work in Newcastle's favour. For instance, they're unbeaten, aren't they? Uh, since they've come back, but I don't know. I think it's. I think eleventh is possibly. I, I think, you know, I'm almost looking at it like a relegation place, if you know what I mean. Like, 11th is like third bottom if you're wanting to finish the top 10. <laughs> uh, and uh, Everton are like, if they win to, Tottenham tonight, I think, aren't they? Everton, Tottenham, yeah. Yeah, so the if Everton wins tonight. They're, yeah, they're only a point off us, but if Tottenham win, we go down to nine, so. Oh, devastating. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's, let's talk about this game. Um,. Yeah, you know, so much mutual respect in the in the build up to this one. I mean, Wilder very, very vocal in. I saw him say it in like two or three interviews actually that uh, Burnley, the most talked about team in United's uh, dressing room or among the backroom staff in terms of you know the model trying to follow, trying to yeah. establish yourself in the Premier League. And you know, I'm not going to waste time sort of going through all the sort of similarities between the two teams. I mean, I, th- I think there are obviously some. Plenty of differences as well, but you know there was a that was very much a theme, wasn't it? You know, certainly in in the media, it's like oh, it's two you know two very similar teams going against each other, that kind of thing. And yeah, when you sort of step back from the game, it was it's kind of weird because I sort of feel like we should have won, but also should have lost. So it... I think Burnley fans have said exactly the same in the view from they they, they were frustrated and disappointed, but at the same time knew that they didn't really deserve to win. And I think we're the same, but in a different way. Yeah. You know, if we're missing the two chances that Burnley missed, for instance, we're, we're saying, oh, that should have been three goals for us. Yeah, it's, it's a classic uh, a classic flow of the game type thing when it were. Mm. I think we were just massively on top for probably 30-odd minutes. Um, and then Burnley scored kind of out of nothing with a you know a very a great chance. It wasn't like they you know, wanged one in from 30 yards or anything like that. It yeah. was, a, it was a, you know, a, a chance you'd expect someone to take. And then we we kind of did nothing until uh, we got the equaliser, and then yeah, Burnley obviously missed two really good chances in the meantime, and um, yeah, so you, you kind of I came out of it being like I'll definitely take that, but they sort of look back at the first twenty minutes and go like ah, oh, you know, if we stick yeah. stick two of them away, this is probably an automatic win for us at that point. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, hard to uh, hard to be upset. As I say, it was um, you know I think it was a a solid performance. Um, yeah. You know, not in seven the, out of ten. Yeah, not in the realms of um, Spurs by any means, which you know we obviously said was one of our better performances of the season. Mm. I thought we were better against Arsenal as well, but you know, Burnley are a good yeah. team. They, you know, they would have gone above us if they beat us. They, they, I would say, they're at least as likely to finish top ten as we are. They have a very nice mm. run in, as we mentioned. I sort of, um, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm rambling a lot here, but I was thinking back to. Our previous meetings with a lot of these teams, and I was thinking back to Chelsea. We obviously play in uh, in the next few weeks, mm. and how when we drew away at Chelsea earlier in the season, I remember saying, "I think I put it to you actually on here." I was like, "Is that like the best result in United's? I don't know, twenty first mm. century history, the last twenty years, something like that?" And I think yeah. I think it was at the time, but we've become so normalised to how good United are this yeah, season yeah. that like. And he- 
Yeah, and I think they brought that up in the commentary. I think Andy Inchcliffe said it's, it. Uh, Andy, it was Andy Inchcliffe, weren't it? Yeah. And I think he said something along the lines of, it, it's important to know how comfortable Sheffield United look at this level and 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 also acknowledge that it's the first season as well. Yeah, I know. And you just contrast that with uh, the other teams that got promoted with us, obviously. And, well, to be honest, most teams that have been promoted out of the Championship the last couple of seasons, mm. who uh, with maybe the exception of Wolves, who... I <laughs> just had a ridiculous talent base to build off, I suppose. Yeah, well, Wolves are an anomaly for many reasons, I think. And, you know, they, they went up, and I don't think anybody thought they'd go down, did they, last season? No, no, not remotely. I was pretty confident they'd finish. Um, to be honest, I think the team that was playing in the Championship would have finished in the top 10 of uh, yeah. the yeah, Premier yeah. League that season anyway. Well, the last, like, what, two seasons, let's say Villa and Norwich go down this season, that's four teams out of six who have gone straight back down. So let's, it's a massive achievement just to stay up and to be... Going to places like Burnley, top ten team and getting a point, you, you know, it, it's it's easy to overlook how far we've come. Yeah, exactly. Well, and also just as I say, you know, playing so well in that first half and you know mm. carving out quite a lot of chances and yeah, really should have been well ahead by that point. Um, yeah, it was our first our first game in the Premier League since resumption where we outshot the opposition, which is always encouraging. It was only by one, but you know, it's. Uh, yeah. That's a step in the right direction. Hit the target seven times. Um, both sides created three big chances. So it's kind of it's kind of weird this game was only one all to be honest. Um, and yeah, yeah. It, could, it could really have swung in either direction. I mean, it, you know, it could easily have been a two nil win for Burnley or a or a two nil win for us to be honest. So um, yeah. yeah, overall, pretty happy with the point. Um, obviously named uh, an unchanged team. From the Spurs game, which was slightly surprising, I think. Is you? What do you think? Yeah, and I think, but I don't know if you heard Wilder's interview after, and he said that he probably shouldn't have picked that team uh, in terms of tiredness, and he said that he felt that they deserved it after the performance. And I think it's it's a it's a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah. I imagine they're all on like cloud nine after that Tottenham performance, and and I think that that showed in the first twenty minutes. I think McBurney in particular in that first twenty minutes, I mm-hmm. thought it looked fantastic, and then he faded. Yeah. Which could be to do with fitness, I'm not sure, or anything like that. But I think that first 20 minutes, we looked like a a, a really confident side. And I, and I think Wilder probably thought, right, I've got it right here. And then, obviously, as the game went on, it faded and faded and faded a little bit like that, which is understandable with the you know the games and everything that's... What is it, six games in 17 days or something? Yeah, six in 18, I think. 18, yeah. yeah. So it's understandable that that were going to fade. But I think he made the right choice just based on... We could have had the game out of sight in 20 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's that is... The point I think that you've made there yeah. is like it kind of worked. I mean, you know, we we should really have been. If you're two 0 up, then the game. I think the game's over. You know, we we've very rarely dropped points from winning positions. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it would have paid off for sure. And I, I guess also, you know, we don't we we <laughs> with the injuries to uh, Fleck, Freeman, Lundstrom, we don't have many players to to just rotate in. I mean, I, I think yeah, McBurney is probably the one you could say maybe yeah, Sharp the, could have started yeah. ahead of him or something, but. Did yeah. I say the only thing you could really change? I think is a striker. So I think realistically, yeah, yeah, because we just uh, we just barely have anyone else doing. Unless you're going to put oh. Kieran Freeman in for George Baldock. Do you know what? I feel like I did Baldock a disservice on the last podcast by not really talking about him because mm. um, I'd, I'd been a little bit critical of him in the previous couple of games, but I thought it was excellent against Spurs. And I don't know, he, he frustrated was... me in this game, though. To be honest, <laughs> Baldock with his crossing and stuff, and I just thought that final ball was really sort of lacking from, from everyone to be fair but yeah. I thought Baldock were, did made it on two or three occasions where he just put hopeful balls and you're like no he's just going to eat it up he's Burnley <laughs> yeah yeah there was yeah there was a lot of that second half I mean I think <clears throat> excuse me you know as, as 
as uh, full of praise as I am for that first half, I think there was a big drop off in the second half, and I, yeah. I do think, I do think we we do have to acknowledge the the tiredness factor. You know, the the Spurs game was. Um, what was that? That would have finished about eight o'clock on Thursday, and then we're playing yeah. again at noon on Sunday. So it's it's two full days of rest. Um, this is why the narrative, what they were posting, uh, people were saying, and Burnley fans understandably don't know our issues as well as you know, obviously their own. But when people were saying, "Oh, Burnley done really well to you know get this team together," and they have, don't get me wrong, they've been on a fantastic run since lockdowns with all the injuries and everything. But I I don't think there was much in it in terms of like who was the most depleted purely because of the tiredness factor for us. Yeah, Burnley by contrast, uh, five five days rest they played five full days rest I should say they played Monday evening and then obviously played Sunday lunchtime. Um, so yeah, I, you know I, I do think tiredness is definitely uh, definitely one thing you can point to for the second half. A little bit, you know, lack of speed of thought as well as um, well movement I suppose you know. There's a lot of like, as you say, just sort of crossing from poor areas straight onto Tarkovsky's bonds, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I was I was actually kind of surprised that we did equalise, to be honest. Which, uh, which I was. I thought he was gone. I have to admit, I, I didn't think. I don't think we played badly really in the second half or anything like that. But I did think the game. I thought we'd sort of. I won't say run out of ideas, but I think Burnley sort of they were comfortable. I thought. Yeah, we only had three shots in the second half, which is not great in a game that you're. Obviously, chasing at that point, so one nil down, mm. and you know we, we'd thrown on uh, two more strikers in in Sharp and uh, and Musa. Musa obviously replacement Bernie, but yeah. you know uh, I w- certainly would be hoping for more more efforts on goal when chasing that. So yeah, yeah. Um, actual in terms of the you know events of the game, um, McBurney had that a really good chance like immediately, mm. didn't he? With a brilliant yeah. flick by McGoldrick, put him in. I mean, it's, Oh, what had that to go in so much because of that flick? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not that easy a chance. I think, I think people, um, you know, there's a, that, that's kind of the one where people are like, oh, he's got to score from there, but it's, it only gets scored ten percent of the time. Apparently, I disagreed with my model. friend about this at the time. I said he's, he's got to score, and I said I think it's harder than it looks. That to be completely honest, but we had a bit of a disagreement about that. So I'm glad you've uh, got <laughs> factual evidence. Yeah, I mean, it's that was right. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, it was one of our harder shots in the penalty area. I think I'm just just scanning about here, but you know, it was on his left foot. It bounced up a bit. It's, it's a hard. You know, doesn't have a touch to control it, that kind of thing. So that's why it uh, it gets filed as a chance. It doesn't score. It gets scored very mm. often, I suppose, as opposed to yeah, a, a tapping. But you know, he gets it on target. Makes makes Pope make a save. But you're right. It would have been nice. Um, Berger had one blocked inside the penalty area as well, didn't he? Which would have yeah. been. Um, uh, I think that was McBurney who created that right it's sort of brilliant that from a Bernie yeah, he looked like he'd lost it on a couple of occasions about just, five times yeah and he just steamed on and a really good ball but to be fair I don't think Bernie did anything wrong really good defending from Burnley that to be honest to, to yeah. do that yeah I agree um, Bernie had another one where he like flicked it just over which is I mean that was a very difficult chance as well yeah. it came in from Jack Robinson didn't it and uh, yeah. he uh, flicked it onto the roof of the net Egan missed a I feel like this was a good chance that he misjudged from a corner. I think this is the best chance, actually. I, I, I've wrote this down here. I think that is the best chance of the of the first half for us. I think he, as you, I think he sort of jumps too early. I know the wind's all over and it's hard to, mm. you know. I'm, 
we don't know obviously the factors of that and stuff, but I think that that probably should have been a goal or a target, a shot on target. Understats XG model completely agrees with you. That was a. Point I'm doing well today, man. Very well, yeah. Point four seven XG chance. It was actually an easier chance than the one he scored from, which mm. isn't that surprising yeah. when you take into account how that goal came about. But yeah, and that's just in the first sort of twenty five minutes or so. You know, Stevens had that one into uh, the side netting, and we we just looked in complete control. I think. After 25 minutes, we've got double the possession they'd had. We're putting 11 crosses, hit the target four times, created two big chances. That's that's dominant for us. We don't do that very often, um, particularly away from home, to be honest, this season, where we, we generally sit off teams and try and hit them on the break. So, Yeah, this is what I expected. I expected it to go in. A, we've not started away from home like that for a long, long time. No, definitely Possibly not. Possibly walls away. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of any more recent than that for sure. Um, the game but... as a whole reminded me of that, by the way. The Wolves away, um, mm. the, the 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 sort of we started like an house on fire. Could have been two or three up, and then they gradually got back into it. And you know, it, it, at the end, they could have won it. So yeah, um, well, yeah, I should say, you know, amongst all these chances, um, came one of the best chances of the entire match on the counter attack for Burnley, where uh, Robinson. I thought Robinson was okay in this game, but this was a pretty poor pass. And uh, it was. It, it took. He did him... it twice as well, which was. <laughs> yeah, this one. Um, I mean, it was really obvious for starters, but then he, he was a bit slow to react. I thought as well. You know, I mean, it's, mm. it's hard. You obviously you, his momentum's going forward because he's, he's anticipating going and getting the return pass, presumably. But yeah, gives it away in their half. They break at speed, and Vidra's put in on goal and very generously slips it wide of the post. So we um... terrible, terrible miss that. I'd have been going mad. That's a McGoldrick style miss, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was just certain he'd, he'd scored and that it would be like you know the, it was it was pretty much the first time they'd been in our half. It felt like and I was just thinking, yeah, oh, flipping out. It know. was. I think that was it. That, I was so frustrated when it happened. I made a man's going, no, we played so well. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't really know what happened, but uh, we did drop off. And whether you can just say it's tiredness, but. From about 25 minutes, from around that drinks break, to be honest, I think I feel like some people are overrating the tactical ability of the drinks breaks a little <laughs> bit. But around that time, certainly, Burnley had much more... It was a much more even game. They, I don't know if they were just being a bit more careful with possession themselves and just trying to basically take the sting out of it, to be honest. Yeah, just... I think the thing with the drinks break is it, it might not be a tactical thing, but you, you that momentum does stop, doesn't it? And you, you've got a couple of minutes waiting around. It's like when a player goes down, you know, mm. to, to stop the momentum of a team and, you know, pretends to be injured when he's not. It's a bit like that, and it can break up play. Yeah, indeed. And, yeah, they, you know, from that 25 minutes onwards, they really dominated possession. Um, mm. And, yeah, eventually, eventually took the lead just for half-time with just... Such a Burnley goal, really. And this is what you think of when you think of Burnley. Um, I think we gave away a pretty soft free kick. Um, it gets gets. Uh, I get that burger. He was going nowhere. The player as well. Disappointed that he, he fouled him there. But yeah, because it's one of them where it's like most other teams. It's not really a big deal because it's like yeah. forty yards out. You know, who cares? But you know, Burnley live for that, don't they? And yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just um, you know, Basham doesn't. Uh, Basham's nowhere near the guy who flicks it on. And then McBurney loses Tarkovsky at the back post and uh, he slides it into the net and is, unfortunately for us, just on side. I, I feel yeah. Sooness absolutely piled into McBurney at halftime, which I thought was a bit yeah, harsh. I did see this. I turned it over, actually, but I did hear after that he'd absolutely gone mad at him as if he'd like, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it just reacted like a split second too late. I mean, it's not great, obviously, but you know, goals happen. <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't strike me as like egregiously terrible what he'd done. I mean, he's Scottish though, it's doing it. And I don't know if you've seen true. my latest tweets, that like, retweets and stuff. I think the uh, you know the Scottish people just don't like him. So <laughs> maybe he's just to do with that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make that connection. As it happens, if if McBurney had just like if he just sat down on the floor instead of trying to go with him, the guy would have been offside. So it's, yeah. it's like the worst of both worlds, really. Not only was he slow to react, but ended up playing him offside by having his, his foot stretched out. So, yeah, it was it was a frustrating goal to concede because, A, it's like, oh, I can't believe we got done from, from a free kick, but I suppose it is Burnley. But also, we had been much the better team in the first half, I thought. And also, just going a goal down to Burnley is like, it's a bad place to be in, isn't it? It's just... Yeah, I, I mean, you, you don't want to give Burnley a That's what they live for. They love a 1-0, don't they, Burnley? <laughs> mm, I mean, I've got it here now. So from 17 matches this season, Burnley have taken the lead and they've won 13 of them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we're only the third time, uh, excuse me, the fourth side to prevent them from winning once they've taken the lead all yeah. season. So yeah. that's a very good record. Um, and, yeah, to our, our credit... We eventually got our way back into it. Um, just before we reach half time, actually, there is a handball incident mm. with Eric Peters, which I'm confused by, to be honest. Um, do you yeah. want to give me your reaction to this? Well, at first, I thought, well, obviously, in play, you think, oh, I'm not sure. Then I showed you like a quick replay, and I, I couldn't really tell. And then when I watched it again and again, like since the match, really, I, I think subconsciously I tried to not get angry about <laughs> decisions in the middle of the match because they just ruined the entire game for you. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, looking back, I think it's a pen, to be honest. I mean, maybe I'm being biased, but I've seen him given. Well, I think we've seen him given this weekend. <laughs> this, yeah, the Man United match, yeah, which I'd not seen, to be fair, up until uh, until after. And that sort of like makes it obviously you watched that game, didn't you? Mm. So I imagine for people who've seen that match, it makes it even more <laughs> infuriating at the time that it wasn't given. I was just like, you know, so you see it was, it happens quite quickly. But yeah, we, for uh, anyone who's not seen it, um, Norwood takes a corner. He sort of, uh, I don't know, puts a, puts a load of top spin on it, basically. So it ends up mm. bouncing. It, it goes in a straight line to Peters. He's kind of at the near post. He goes to kick it away, misses it, hits him on the arm instead. You know, there's no. There's no shadow of a doubt that it makes pretty clear contact yeah. with his uh, with his hand and arm. Um, and it ricochets to uh, Egan. He has a shot blocked. But yeah, I, you know the thing that kind of annoyed me was um, or, or confused me maybe is just uh, as you say, we saw one quick replay which wasn't a good angle, and yeah. Andy Hinchcliffe's just going, "No, nah, it's definitely not handball. It's absolutely not handball." It's like, well, can you give us a bit more? Like, can you explain to me? Well, why Shearer it's and Mike Richards, Shearer and Mike Richards last night both said it were a penalty. I think, I, I don't know, I just feel like commentators should uh, go a bit further than just saying it definitely is or it definitely isn't. Like, mm. if it's if the, if you're that adamant that it's not a penalty, then can you at least explain why it's not? I mean, my first my first thought was, oh, Peters has kicked it onto his own hand, which is mm. um, not handball per the latest rules on or laws, I should say, on handball, where if you... If the ball deflects off another body part of you or an opponent onto your hand and arm, then it is not uh, uh, you don't get penalised for it. That's why um, when O'Connell heads it onto his arm in the second half, that's why yeah. that is not given as a penalty. I just 
I guess I'm just surprised they didn't VAR check it. I mean, obviously, obviously they did everything gets checked, but you know, just have a quick glance in. It's like I just hit him on the arm, but for some reason we're not. I said the exact same. The the thing that I said after the game was what sort of confused me is how quick it was made the decision. Yeah. Just like hang on, they're having a listen. Well, it must have been thirty seconds, and that's just something that you have to look at three or four times and. I don't know. I mean, it's just it's insane football at the moment where that Tottenham goal gets disallowed and that's not a penalty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not about a bias thing or anything like that. We, we got away with it to whatever, you know, at Tottenham. But that's more of a clear handball, clearly, than the one that happened at Tottenham that we got. I don't really know what they... I think they really need to look at this handball thing. Yeah, obviously with attackers, any any contact with hands yeah. is penalised. And I've and never it... understood that. Why? I mean, Gary Lineker tweeted, right? I think it's correct, where it, it's... By doing that, where it's, you know, in an attacking sense it gets ruled out, but in a defending sense it doesn't, you're sort of like going against the strikers, and we all want to see goals, don't we? Really, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really happy with that with that rule, to be honest. Yeah, fair enough. There is uh, Peter Walton in the the referee in the uh, what is this? I think it's in the Telegraph. He says uh, for a defender to be penalised for a handball, you have to ask if it was deliberate. Peters didn't make himself bigger. Didn't uh, it, it says didn't put move hand towards the ball. So mm. I, think, I think Peter needs a better sub editor. Um, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he means didn't move his hand towards the ball, even though that's not what it says yeah. at all. And didn't have the chance to get his hand out of the way. The ball clearly strikes his arm, but for a defender, this does not matter. It's like, all right, fine, okay, natural position. Didn't deliberately handle it, whatever. But then it's like, well, what about all these ones where the same is true and that isn't given? Anyway, there we go. Mm. I, I just yeah, wanted. To, yeah. I just, I was just kind it's of a confusing one. It's a really, really confusing one. Yeah, would it have completely changed the game? No idea. Do I think there's a conspiracy? No, I think that's mental. I just, <laughs> I just, I think we, I think we should do better as football broadcasters to uh, not just immediately go, yeah, it's absolutely not a penalty. You know, you can, you can risk questioning something without actually knowing the answer yourself. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. there we go. Half time into the second half. Um, Burnley had. Uh, well, do you know, it was a, a half of few chances, really, this one, wasn't it? And yeah. I, I thought, I was just sat there going, Burnley are doing what we've done to teams so often this season where you, yeah. you just kind of blink and 20 minutes are gone. And, uh, that you know, just felt like the game was completely going to mm. just disappear out the window, I suppose. They had one brilliant chance where um, Jay Rodriguez had a like a 30-yard volley on the spin, which Henderson pushed yeah. back into play and then McNeil slid it wide and... Yeah, that he should really have scored that, shouldn't he? And yeah, that, that's the change. That's the turning point of the game. I, I'd argue that. I think obviously that goes in. It's game over, isn't it? So yeah, I know. I was just thinking. This is. I was thinking if that had gone in, it would have so felt like a Warnock era Premier League game where it just like the opposition have just scored two goals without really trying. You know, you yeah. like you're huffing and puffing yourself and not creating anything, and then suddenly in a blink, the opposition are two 0 up, and that's the end of the yeah. game. So. Yeah, I was, yeah. I, was... I mean, it, it were poor goalkeeping from Henderson. I know the wind and stuff like that, but you, you can't be pushing that straight into your area, can you? Your own area. Yeah, he did it in the first half as well. Didn't yeah, he? he did. Bardsley had that long range shot, and it just went past. Um, I mean, Rodriguez had absolutely no time to react whatsoever. And mm. you know, I, I get the priority is keep it out of the net. Obviously, in that it did swirl around a lot, and um, you know, kind of the Rodriguez one in the second half. I mean, he took that super early as well, so. 
Yeah. I doubt Henderson was completely set for it. So, And I think he's probably been told or, or decided before the game, the, the wind's terrible, don't try and handle it, don't try and be, you know, ultra safe, just get the ball out of the net, which is understandable. But obviously you don't want to, it's the worst place to pat it back out to, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Um, we tried several things to get back in the game and I, I guess ultimately you can say it worked in terms of the result. I'm not totally convinced it worked from the process point of view but yeah. you know I, I like I like the uh, inventiveness I suppose I mean there's nothing hugely different to what we've tried before but you know we didn't just keep banging our heads against the wall we at least tried something different so what do we do uh, first of all Jack O'Connell comes on for Jack Robinson to um, initially to play his usual position obviously great to see him back on the uh back on the pitch for the blaze or indeed back on the yeah, bench. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, really, really, really happy about that. That's probably the the, the biggest thing out of this entire game, to be honest for me. Mm. Jack O'Connell looks like he's been on the weights during lockdown. Is it just me? Is that absolutely big, huge? Big guy, yeah, big guy, yeah. Like, you doing boxing with Kel Brook, weren't he, before uh, before <laughs> lockdown. So geez, poor Kel. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh I, I don't know if it's just because I've not seen him play for us for like four months or something, but just like flipping out, he's like a tank. He's so much bigger yeah. than I remember him being. Um, yeah. But was, yeah, as you said, that was good to see him come on. Um, Sharp came on for Norwood, and um, uh, where actually, when did Rodwell come on? Let me go back. My time is mixed up here. Rodwell came on for Basham, didn't he? Did he? Yeah, that was slightly later. So, oh, first of all, yeah. So first of all, we brought Sharp on for Norwood. That was in the fifty-six minute. Yeah. Um, and that obviously meant... I know Connell Overson for Robinson at the same time, weren't it? That's right, yeah. So that obviously uh, a change of formation there. So we, we went to uh, kind of a back four, I guess, with... Um, uh, with Oh, no, wait, hang on. Let me get this right. This is confusing, isn't it? We, I think we went to... Um, we went to, like, McGoldrick behind Sharp and McBurney and kept the, a similar kind of formation with, um, with Berger moving into the middle a bit more. Yeah, um, that's what that's what we did at first. Yeah, yeah, and then Basham comes off for Rodwell, and that meant we went with um, with him and Berger in the middle, essentially. Yeah, we're four four two basically, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, which yeah, I, I you know I kind of like the attempts to try something different for sure, and obviously a couple of minutes after that we get the equaliser from a set piece ourselves, mm -hmm. and then yeah, flip it back to our normal formation. So it's interesting, right? You know, Rodwell's first. Um, First Premier League appearance, first appearance, full stop for us. I think, isn't it? Since we did he we touch the ball, he did. Yeah, I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I'll get to this. Yeah, um, but yeah, he was he was obviously signed as kind of cover for Basham. So yeah. interesting yeah, yeah. to see him thrown in in that situation. There's no point having him on the bench if he's not going to come on. Let's be honest. You know, I mean, people are saying like, why don't we have Verbs on the bench? Just what's the point? You know, he's not, he's not going to come up front, is he? So. <laughs> David James style. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, people say, if you're not going to put people on the bench we're going to play, there's no point in being there, really. So, it would be, realistically, the only thing, if we were taking Basham off, the only thing we could have really done is, is use Rodwell or maybe put Kieran Freeman there, which is obviously not ideal. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, this, I mean, this change to a back four and those two in the middle, you know, I think it did kind of even out possession a little bit. Um, and, you know, we ended up having more attacking third passes than we'd had in the previous sort of 25 minutes of the game but we still didn't really create anything and you know we 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 stopped crossing it so much as well I think we only 
I think we only attempted four crosses in the last 25 minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, the last 15 minutes of the game. Well, we were getting nowhere with the crosses, we were, let's be honest. Yeah. So, well, that's it. I don't know if, I don't know if that was a deliberate choice to just be like, stop slinging it into the box or just going to head it away. Well, this, um, what, what were annoying is I thought we were really slow in terms of in the second half, which is probably due to fatigue, in fairness. Like, we were around the box and you're like, yeah, you can create chances. That's why we create the overloads and it's brilliant and stuff. But we were that slow. Burnley were just getting people in the box and that's just meat and drink to their defenders. Yeah, we had it. It were a bit like Spurs against us, and it? it we weren't as bad as that, but you know, like Spurs against us, they had all this possession and stuff, but never felt like they were being threatened. I didn't think yesterday, Burnley in the second half. Yeah, the you know, there's that one. McGoldrick had a long range shot, which got headed up in the air, and it landed mm. to Baldock, and he, well, it would have been hard for him to try and shoot. I think. I think he did the right thing trying to find McBurney, but yeah, at the time I was like, why didn't he shoot? Then I looked back and I'm like, yeah, he's not realistically, he's got no chance there. Yeah, O'Connell goes on one of his surges down the left, and uh, his cross gets deflected, and it bounces just over Sharp, and it just over Sharp's head, um, yeah. which could could have ricocheted in a, a much better way, I think. But yeah, then we get the goal, which comes from a corner. Um, so it gets played short to... Obviously, we're taking off uh, Norwood at this point and Fleck isn't playing as well. So we're down to Ben Osborne taking set pieces. Um, but it gets worked to... I don't think it's Osborne actually takes it, is it? Someone else? I feel like someone I else think takes it. Who, is it. who takes this? It, I'm trying to think, actually. Because it goes to Berger, who then passes it to Osborne. Is it... I don't know. Who is it who's taking it? Is it Stephen? No, it can't be. No, I can't actually remember who it was. Um, I can't. Oh, sorry. But it, <laughs> But ends, yeah, we play it short. Berger, I, I don't know, is, is this a really well-worked set piece or is it the product of like a couple of poor bits of play and then one smart bit of play? What do you think? I, I think the cross from Osborne is pretty poor, to be honest. When they were doing it, we're like, no! <laughs> it's a really like rubbish little chip cross. But I, I think Sharp makes this goal, to be completely honest. I think he's the reason we, we score because it's just nothing ball into the box, really. Quite low you know, not really going to cause any problems. And I think Sharps, he gets to the ball first, which is really good, obviously. But that little header that he does, knowing where Egan is, I think that's, obviously we'll come to the finish. That's an incredible finish. But I think that goal doesn't happen without Sharps' intelligence. In it's the very area. smart because, yeah, I think yeah. the easy thing to do is to just direct it towards goal, isn't it? But uh, I'm assuming he did this part deliberately. He directs it away from goal, knowing we have a few players at the back post. And, yeah, as you say, it's, it is it is very smart. I mean, yeah, I think Berger, I think Berger's little pass to Osborne is slightly misplaced because Osborne yeah. has to like check his momentum completely, and then <laughs> yeah, he chips up that cross that goes like <laughs> goes about ten yards to it, and then yeah, I actually thought Sharp was offside on the replay because he's running back out to meet. I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? He's running away from goal and yeah, directs it towards Egan. And Egan runs in and on the half volley just roofs it. Fantastic finish. I mean. I didn't stand up at first. I thought he's not put that in top corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought he'd put it over myself, but I think I might just be—I uh, might just be like uh, desensitized to uh, Egan missing chances over the last two years. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. See, the hardest chances. His first goal since um, uh, Norwich at home in what would that have been like August 2018? Like his his third game or second game, something like that, wasn't it? Um, yeah, um, yeah, I mean, like obviously after the game, Wilder said that he should have had ten this season, didn't I? Mm. Which is going a bit over top, but yeah. But I think there's, you know he's been three or four at least this season where he should have definitely been. They were one against West Ham, I think. 
in the in the home game we should have scored. I think he probably should have done better yesterday with the first chance. So it's about time he got on the score sheet, really. Yeah, and as it happens, it was probably one of the hardest chances he'll uh, well, certainly the most technically excellent finish that he'll pull off. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he just he scored in that Norwich game, as I said, and then I think he missed like two other really good chances in that game as well. And maybe we should have known from that point on, I suppose. But it's that first goal from a centre half this season, other than Richard yeah. Stearman in the cup. Yeah, um, I think I think Wilder's. Uh, I think he's kind of reiterated that ten eight to ten goals thing in his interviews today. But I feel like he's, I think he's softened it to a more realistic one of like we should be getting eight to ten goals from our central defenders, which I don't yeah. disagree with. Yeah. To be honest, I mean, there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a tangent here, but um, we've we've been weirdly unproductive from set pieces this season because we do win quite a lot. I think we're like top ten for amount of corners that we win, but. We are. That was our fifth set piece goal, so that's including free kicks, and that is 18th most in the league. Um, so you know, very yeah. far down. You know, for a team that everyone bangs on about being, being dangerous with set pieces, we've not been and, that good and, at it. And a lot of people haven't got Norwood's delivery with these sort of things. I actually think on if the, if there'd have been better sort of finishing, Norwood could be on like seven or eight assists this yeah. season from from set. I mean, I'm looking at Burnley now, and if I've added this up right, which I probably haven't, but um, I think they've got six goals this season from defenders. Yeah, and, most that's, of... and that's our first. Well, unless you're counting Stevens and Baldock, but that, they're not really from set piece. They, they've never scored off a set piece, have they? So, not that I can think of. No. So, mm. yeah, there's there's definite room for improvement there. I mean, you know, talking specifically about. Um, about Egan, I mean, yeah, the ten goals thing is—it's uh, a little bit of an exaggeration, but um, he, at the same time, Egan does have uh, the seventh highest expected goals on our whole team, um, which is more than Norwood, <clears throat> Ender, way more than O'Connell, more than Baldock, more than Basham, and that's obviously his uh, his first goal. Um, I imagine the... McGoldrick's number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, among um, uh, among all defenders in the Premier League, he has the eighth highest xG as well. So he's getting on the end of chances, yeah. and we, we are creating chances for him. So he has he has a higher expected goal than goals than Van Dijk, and he scored four yeah. times. So well, let's hope he goes in a run now, like Leon Clark did, where <laughs> <laughs> he, he has nine and four yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, this is a thing that uh, I don't know. Either through maybe through dumb luck, to be honest, we'll just even out. I mean, he's had the ball in there a couple of times, hasn't he? I think. At least one more time at Brighton, he had that one disallowed. Yeah. Um, so and you know. O'Connell scored at Brighton as well, which were offside, to be fair. But it, I think it goes to show. I, I think Norwood and uh, Fleck or whoever's taking the set pieces get some of the set pieces are poor. I'm not. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying oh, they're absolutely amazing at them. But I think a lot of the time we are creating chances off them. Personally, I mean, I, I sent you earlier today. I think it's every one in ten corner goes in, uh, like in football in general. So it's not. A corner, you know, you can't expect to score off a corner every single time. It's, it's completely unrealistic, and I think we create quite a lot of chances off set pieces. We just not, we're yeah. not taking them. Yeah, which was true last season as well. Actually, we were like really high for chances created from set pieces and really mm. low for chances finished from set pieces. It's uh, it's even less than that with corners, by the way. It's like three percent of them lead to a goal. So yeah, and I always find, I said this to you. I always find it funny that if you score off, a, if you do a bad corner, you're like ah, corners are rubbish. Every club does the same. And if you let one in off a corner, we shouldn't be letting a goal in off a corner. That's disgusting. <laughs> Got to have it both ways, even. You know. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and there, that was uh, you know that was the the equaliser in the 79th minute. We obviously, as I said, switch back to um, our normals kind of uh, back three, back five formation. Um, and yeah, got away with a, a valuable 
point, I think. I, I don't remember too much else happening. There was a couple they were of times. free kick, weren't they? And that was about it, I think. Yeah, which is both a it's like the least inventive free kick of all time, but also <laughs> also kind of. I love doing three of them round. It's like who's going to take it? Osborne's going to swing it in, or is he going to do it? They should blast it at a goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hit the target, I suppose. Um, you can drop it as well, you know. You never know. Another day goes a bit further in front of him and Sharp's yeah. there to bang it in. But... And again, with the uh, with the wind, I suppose, you know, swirling mm. around. It was strange. This may be a minor point here, but the wind was... Uh, it, it wasn't like a case of it blowing left to right, was it? It seemed to no. be... So it seemed to be like eight different directions depending whereabouts on the pitch you were. So yeah, because I did... thought we got caught out with the ball again over the top, but in a completely different way. I think it was hard to read. I think it, it, it wasn't going over in the second half, this is. It the wasn't going thing, over the top it? and they were getting behind us. It was sort of holding in the wind and then going yeah. backwards. And, Rodri- and they're a big big team, Burnley. Rodriguez up from them, Wood when he comes as well. You know, that. Give them an inch and they're going to get the ball and hold it up and start an attack or whatever. So yeah, for sure. I thought at halftime I was like, right, basically every time they hit it long, it's just going to run through to Henderson surely. But yeah, as you say, there was, there was certainly one. I can't remember what came of it, but yeah, Basham like it just ended up not getting anywhere near it. I think mm-hmm. in the in the second half and they ended up having a bit of a if uh, an opportunity, if not a shot out of it. So yeah, um, <clears throat> going to come on to some individual players in a moment, but. I just want to, uh, and I think this has got some attention because um, I think it was Hinchcliffe said this that we've been poor when we go behind this season. <laughs> Did Hinchcliffe say that? Is that where it's come from? One of the commentators definitely said it. Yes. Yeah, because I've, <laughs> I've seen it on a S two forum. Someone said it. Apparently, someone said, "Oh, we're never good at coming back." I was like, "That is one of our best traits." <laughs> it, it genuinely is. We I have this in front of me. We have gone behind in nineteen games this season. And we have taken 14 points from those games, which doesn't sound like an incredible amount, but it's the fourth highest amount in the league. Mm. Uh, the only teams who've done it more, who've got more points out of it, I should say, Wolves, Liverpool, Arsenal. It puts us ahead of, well, everybody else, obviously. Everyone else, yeah, team. Man United and City, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, Man City, quite Man City have lost as many games as us now, by the way. Yeah, that's been quite common all the way through the season, hasn't it? How many yeah. games they have lost. Um yeah, so that's, you know, obviously falling behind in 19 out of 33 games is it's not ideal. And it is also uh, every game since the restart, bar the Villa game as well. So mm. definitely, you know, it, as good as we have been from taking points from uh, losing positions, that's obviously not the ideal scenario to be in. But I think also, you know, this, this is huge credit to the manager, I think, that we have yeah. turned around so many of those positions. I mean, if you look at... If you think of Wolves, Liverpool and Arsenal, they far and away more talented technical players than we do. Like explosive players who can who can get you back into a game. You know, we don't have yeah. anyone like Adama Traore, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, Aubameyang, Lacazette, anyone like that, to be honest. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you've got to put a lot of that on, yes, on the players, on, on fitness and stuff like that, but... Also on on the manager, I think for uh, changing things and getting yeah. us back into games. Like you say, it's not like you know Man United or if they're not playing well, Rashford and Greenwood come off and Martial and you know <laughs> comes on and it, it, we haven't got that sort of player. It, it, we we do have to change tactics and we do have to change approach. I think and and a lot of the time it was worked. I'm really surprised that a, a genuine a commentator or a pundit has said that actually. I thought yeah. that was just like our fans moaning a bit half time or whatever, but <laughs> it, 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 no, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, I think they must have just got completely 
I don't know, just completely wrong end of the stick of that. I mean, all right, we've only won twice from behind this season out of those 19 games, mm-hmm. but uh, it's hard to do. Only six teams have done it three or more times this season. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we've come from behind to, to win a game as many times as Chelsea and Man United have. So mm-hmm. it's it's not something that happens very often in football. If you score the first goal, you have a great chance of getting something out of the game. So, yeah, yeah it was... Uh, and that that kind of is why I feel pretty good about this draw, to be honest. You know, the evident tiredness, the difficulty of getting something against Burnley, regardless of the sort of situation. Mm. But yeah, doing it from a, a goal down with 10 minutes to go. Well, I think this is the thing. Overall. I think people look at the name Burnley and we're all guilty of it. And we, we slag other people off for saying it about us, you know. And mm. I think but they are a good side. They are they are a, a consistently good side in the Premier League. I what was it earlier on as well in the commentary? Andy Cliff said something along the lines of uh, earlier on in the season, it looked like Burnley were going to go down. It was, that never happened. I think the lowest they got were about fifth from bottom, but they were never in any proper danger. No, exactly. They just, um, I mean, I guess this is why, in, you know, in a lot of ways, why why they are the model for us because mm. they're so solid. I mean, they, they, they're probably going to finish top 10 again. Like, that's amazing. And in a season, yeah. they've, I feel like they've gone under the radar a little bit this season. You know, they, yeah. as you say, they've never really. I guess because they've not really been in danger of relegation, but they've also been just sort of loitering around 12th and 13th all the way through the season. And- yeah, and that's it. And, and you know, people, I don't know. I, th- I think it's the name again. I think that is a good, that's a good a draw as drawing away at Everton. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. looking now, the, the last, like, the season's finishes, that, like, since they've come back up to their premise, 12th, 11th, 13th. Solid as. And, uh, yeah, I'll... Uh, I'll definitely take that for us for the next three or four seasons for sure because if you finish around that point of the table you will have had some enjoyable Saturday afternoons or whenever watching your team. I'm, I'm lying. I'm talking nonsense. I'm looking at the attendance tables there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I just realised, double checks, I thought, hang on, they got in Europe one year. Sorry, 16th, 7th, 15th is where they've, they've finished. So they've sort of like, you know, I don't think they've ever been in, maybe that first season they've been in like a bit of difficult end. And I think after the Europa League season they got to a really bad start with all mm. the games, didn't handle it very well. But I think they, they were fine by the end. Like, really, they got 40 points, so... Yeah, yeah, which is... Uh, you, you're not going to need 40 points to stay up this season, that's for I'm sure. Surprising, isn't it? I mean, we, it's funny, I'd love to look back at these podcasts that we did where we were saying, you know, people were saying it's going to be 42 points this year. It's looking like it could be the lowest ever. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what is the lowest ever, actually. So, is it probably like uh, West Brom, uh, under Brian Rob. How many, sorry? 34. 34, 34. Right. Hmm. Uh, and it won six games all season. Stayed up. I can't see. I can't see three teams get. Uh, uh, sorry, however many teams it is. Yeah, I can't see a team needing that many. I mean, no, it's tw- twenty-seven at the moment. Villa and Bournemouth. I think it's going to be the lowest ever, which is incredible because we were all looking, and I think we said it on here as well that the, the teams were beating each other though, and I think that's why it's so low. I think mm. the bottom six are quite adrift from the rest of us. Uh, you Brighton, West Ham, mm. you know they're they're. What is it? 37, 38, 39, Six points between Palace and Brighton, and Brighton have made up a bit of ground in those like three, three, last three or four games as well. So, yeah, Brighton have picked up quite a few points since uh, since the resumption for sure. So, yeah, this. Uh, so I don't know. We ended up talking about the relegation teams. Maybe I just wanted to. <laughs> maybe I just wanted to look down at Villa and Norwich again. That must have been. Yeah. Um, let us take a quick break, and then we'll just uh, focus on a few individuals from this game, if that's all right. Let us take a very quick break to bring you a message from one of our sponsors. Do you ever look down at your shoes or trainers and think they could use a bit of a touch-up? 
then look no further than Glistening Kicks, a Sheffield-based business who deliver high-end cleaning, restoration, and weather treatment services for shoes, sneakers, and trainers. Glistening Kicks will remove loose dirt and debris, give laces, shoes, and midsoles a deep clean, and they can also touch up any scuffs and imperfections. If you're looking for a repaint due to damage or general wear and tear, they can take care of that for you too. Whether it's a pair of designer shoes or a well-loved and much-worn set of favourite trainers, Glistening Kicks offer local collection and return in Sheffield and the surrounding areas, including Rotherham, Barnsley, Chesterfield and other locations in South Yorkshire and Derbyshire. If you are further afield, they also do nationwide shipping via their safe, fast and reliable courier service, so you can be sure your footwear is in the best possible hands. Should also mention that Glistening Kicks is run by Blades fans, and they've recently started offering a service to add a Blades logo to your trainers, or if you have a Wednesday fan in your life that you think needs cheering up, and that is basically all of them at this point, then the Wednesday logo is also available. Save yourself from spending on a brand new pair, Give your existing kicks the treatment they deserve. Head to glisteningkicks.co.uk and book your service today. That is glisteningkicks.co.uk. Now back to the podcast. And we are back. And uh, yeah, I just want to talk about a few uh, a few individuals for the Blades. I mean, I don't think it was like, I don't know, is it tough to pick a man of the match, actually? Do you, who, who would you say was a, a kind of, I suppose, the standout from, from United or, or indeed Burnley, I suppose? I found this the most difficult one so far, to be honest. Uh, I think uh, for us, I think McGoldrick were really good until about the 70th minute mark, and then he just sort of sort of passing it to them every time he had it. But I yeah. think for the first 70, 75 minutes, first half in particular, I thought it were really good, uh, McGoldrick. I thought it were our best player. Overall, probably Egan. I, I don't think he did much wrong. I don't think he made many mistakes, and obviously a fantastic finish. Probably got it spot on, Sky, for the first time, actually. Yeah, he's giving the man of the match the player who scored the goal. It's, uh, it's good. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what they do. <laughs> but this this particular occasion, I might agree with him. What about you? Yeah, I, I, I actually, uh, I'm with you on McGoldrick, and uh, I, I, all facets of what you just said, really, with him. Um, this is why it's kind of it's kind of interesting with the formation tweaks that we tried to say, like, well, you know, we got an equaliser, it worked, but I'm not a hundred percent convinced it did because I don't, I, I don't know, I, I don't feel like he actually had that much influence from a positive point of view once we changed formation. But during the game, you know, the game overall, he was absolutely everywhere. I mean, he just, like, look, his touch map is popping up all over the place. He he won more tackles than any other player on the pitch. He had the joint most chances created. Uh, Only Egan attempted and completed more passes as well. So he was very key to uh, that first half for us, for sure. And mm. it is, I think you said it last week or a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's like having an extra midfielder in some yeah, games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were one point you're on the wing, I'm just, why Why is he there? Like, yeah. <laughs> I and, managed to get to that point. <laughs> and obviously the, you know, the, uh, what's the word, the sort of negative side of that is um, you lose a presence up front, I guess, but... Ideally, we're we're smart enough to rotate players into mm. those positions. I mean, that's kind of where where Lundstrom has really excelled this season, and you know maybe Berger and uh, and others will kind of slot into that as well. But yeah. I just uh, just another example of why I think we're better when he plays, regardless of whether he misses chances or indeed gets chances or not. So yeah, yeah, it was enjoyable watching him. Obviously, uh, he had that great flick for McBurney in the first couple of minutes as well that you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah, it's hard to quibble with Egan to be honest. But yeah, I thought McGoldrick was good. It'd be interesting to see if he plays again because that'll be three games in a row in a week for him, on it? Uh, and he played ninety minutes in he yesterday, so yeah, and he did against Arsenal as well. And yeah, 
think against yeah. Spurs, 90 minutes? No, I think he came off against... Did he come off against... He came off, yeah, he did. He came off for uh, Musa. Okay, fair enough. Um, ben Osborne, another start. Really good again, I thought. Yeah. Um, his performance was good, but I do also want to call out this hilarious photo <laughs> of, him, <laughs> of him stood next to Berger at a free kick, um, which is some serious... Uh, it's, it's like one of those weird perspective photos that you get in football sometimes. You know that famous one of Maradona where he's he's got like a wall of, I think, Belgian defenders yeah, in yeah, front of him? Yeah, I love that picture, yeah. I often yeah. show lots of people and say, look how good he is. <laughs> it's brilliant, yeah. Um, not, not to myth bust, but uh, it is an actual wall of uh, Belgian players, which is why it looks so weird because yeah. uh, it was a wall for a free kick. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's perfect. It's a wonderful photo. It has... That's artistic merit. This is less artistic, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it looks like Ben Osborne comes up to Berger's waist. It's like hilarious. I mean, I did actually look up their uh, their height differences, and it's not that massive. It's uh, um, what, what is he? Osborne's five seven. Berger's six five, which is actually bigger yeah. than I thought. Um, but yeah, it's it's just a hilarious photo. It, it looks like me stood next to my mum, and my mum is a very a very small person. Um, so yeah, I did uh, want to mention. But that. I did think you were good again, and someone did call me out. Well, I called me out, but on Twitter, and they rightly so. I, they said he was more like Stephen Quinn than Nick Montgomery. Like I said, he was a bit more like Montgomery last uh, on Wednesday night, and I think that is a good shout. It does remind me of prime Stephen Quinn. You know, when he first came into the Premiership. Yeah. I think I think that's mom, probably a better sort of uh, comparison than Montgomery because he's definitely better on the ball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you said that that you know Montgomery in terms of like him appearing everywhere rather than him being like a limited footballer. It's another misquote, isn't it? It's another uh, the Norwegian Pogba quote going on. Yeah, well, the worst <laughs> part about this is that I'm tagged in it, so you know I'm I'm being associated with your uh, terrible, admitted, yeah. admittedly misquoted <laughs> but still terrible take. So yeah. <laughs> I was going but to yeah, I just, I, what I really meant is obviously the work rate, and I thought that were in evidence again. I thought he's up and down, and I, you know, I, I, it wasn't as spectacular or whatever you want to call it, or as dynamic or whatever as he was against Spurs, and didn't stand out quite as much. But really, re- played a really important role. I really like him. Yeah, yeah. I, he, this is lazy, but he looks like a United player, doesn't he? You know, he just mm. looks like he's going to be working his backside off. He's got the he's got the quality. He seems to, you know, know where uh, his teammates are going to be when he's you know, switching it out to the left and things like that. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I like him a lot. I think he, he put in a couple of good crosses as well, didn't he? There was one, uh, yeah. was one that Egan didn't quite get to um, in the first half. Do you remember this? Where... Yeah, that were, yeah, because uh, Pope just missed it, didn't he? Like, and yeah. He, uh... And I don't know if I, I don't think Egan actually. My first thought was Egan had checked his run a bit because he thought either Pope was going to get it or he was going to be offside. But I think yeah, I think a bit actually of going just... against Germany where he's like, sort of... <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a rough one to dredge up on a, on a Monday. <laughs> There's no need for that one. Um, but yeah, really, really good from Osborne. Um, yeah, this. I mean, that doesn't obviously the step down from Fleck to pretty much anyone is is pretty big, but it doesn't look like we're really. It doesn't look like we're carrying a player. He looks like a good backup, which is yeah. As I said last week, that's what we need in a lot of positions. So yeah, for Luke Freeman, and that this would have been his chance, wasn't it, to get a run of games? And obviously, he's not had it. And we see how well Osborne. You presume now Osborne's had him in the pecking order. Yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Actually, now, yeah, if it, say Freeman was available for the next game, yeah, I think Osborne. Uh, mm. I think it's Osborne's shirt till um, till Fleck comes back, and that's yeah, that's why it's kind of interesting with uh, O'Connell coming on for Robinson, really, because he's another one who's done very well, but ultimately. 
he is second choice in that position. Yeah. And, I think he know. must know that. And yeah. I think his hope would be that, you know, he's going to get more game time next season. We, we probably won't be quite as lucky early doors with the injuries, I want yeah. to say, next season. He probably will play. But I think, again, I don't think he were at his best, Robinson. A couple of really sort of basic mistakes in terms of the passing. He's definitely getting forward more, though, and definitely getting into the role more. He seems to have a very good cross on him, as well as the long throws. Mm. Oh, we've seen that in the yeah. last three games, I think. He seems to have a really good ball well, I think he's the played left-back, hasn't he, for a, a good part of his yeah. career, so it's not that surprising. Isn't it? I'm all right with him. I think I were a bit worried when you think, oh, God, O'Connell's going to be out for ages, and there's not an Forest reserve. Is <laughs> so yeah, the who they didn't but think I was think any good. I think he's proven that he's been a good signing again. Yeah, well, I mean, you, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm calling back to all the smart things that you've said in the... Uh, in the past here, but I'm going to do it again. You, like this. Pre- yeah, I'm, <laughs> it's uh, Andrew appreciation. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure you did say, you know, this is a bit, it feels a bit like a Martin Craney signing where it's like, this guy really, like we're going to be plugging him into our team. And yeah, it's, it's kind of panning out the same way as well, where it's, it's not a world beater. He's, you know, I doubt, uh, I, I doubt he would start for any Premier League team at this point. No. Like maybe, maybe Norwich or someone like that would plug him in, but he looks. A, I could probably a, start to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> he looks a good backup, and uh, yeah, he's done well for himself. Um, let's give out our, our alternative man of the match award for this week. Uh, this is brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. We've obviously talked about some players we think had uh, had probably the best performance for United, but who do you think deserves some uh, alternative love and attention this week? Well, what a nomination, but I didn't actually go for him because it's not, not Blades-related, but I've really, really enjoyed Micah Richards this weekend. <laughs> ah, go on. Yeah, I'm a little bit torn on Micah Richards. But... I, I understand it completely because I was. like, what I felt, But there was. I just think he's been hilarious. <laughs> like, he's making he me laugh out loud every single time I've seen him. I'm pretty sure he's been working since, like, 12 o'clock Saturday afternoon until, like, Sunday, 12 p.m. You know, sorry, 12 a.m. The day, the day after. He seems to be on TV all the time and... Honestly, Every I have at, at the half-time of the Southampton game when he's taking a mickey out of Lineker. So that was going to be one of my uh, nominations, but I've gone more United-related. and I've got a feeling you might have gone for the same here. It's Jack Rodwell. I think I think we have to uh, we have to shout him out a bit more for sure, yeah. That's, he's going to be my nomination as well, yeah. Go on, I'll let you, let you go for it. Well, he was trending on Twitter. The top trend on Twitter during our match was Jack Rodwell. And people just amazed that he still exists. One of my favourite ones is the Preston Police Force uh, tweet. The official's got ticked next to it. It's definitely them. Fair play to Jack Rodwell. He's been furloughed since 2012. Hashtag OG. Hashtag OG. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. But, yeah, um, yeah, just people like sort of... So let's put here, AM, Kanye West says he's going to run for president. PM, Jack Rodwell steps onto the pitch of the Premier League game. 2020 continues to laugh at us. <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. I, and do you know what? I, I quite, I, I feel, you know, because there's obviously that strand. I'm sure a lot of this is good natured, but uh, there is kind of that strand of like, you know, ha-ha, Sheffield United, they're having to, you know, they're, they're so, every, their situation's so bad, they're having to resort to Jack Rodwell <laughs> yeah, off the bench. Yeah. But for me, I... I I personally see this as like a badge of honour that we're like, yeah, we'll have this guy and we'll, you know, drop him into uh, drop him into our defence. He's a, you know, he used to be a midfielder, but he's going to play centre back for us. I know he plays centre back for Blackburn as well, but yeah. and then we'll, you know, we'll change formation around his ability to do that, and then yeah, we'll we'll get back in this game. And, uh, I, like, and he... I mean, I think you like the same tweet. You know, I think it was from a Liverpool fan who said Chris Wilder's a magician. He gets players 
called Jack, John, Dave. <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're like banging 20-yard volleys in, <laughs> in Premier League. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah I, I feel no shame in having Jack Rodwell coming off the bench for us. I love it. It makes me wonder who's next, to be honest. It's like it's kind of like what Warnock used to do with old strikers, yeah. where it's like you knew eventually they were going to end up playing for us. But this we, time we it's talking, like... Last night, I was talking to a friend just via text, and we were saying, who's it going to be? Who's this one's going to be? I'm thinking maybe Joe Hart. You know, like someone who's just been plucked from obscurity, some big name. Yeah, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? I don't think it'll be Hart. Like, I don't, I don't know. He's just he's got. He's, I just I don't know. He look, those sort of signs, Revel Morris and Jack Rodwell. Yeah, even Leon Clark mm. obviously banging him in a championship for us. These players you think are dead and buried, and then they come back and are resurrected. We should do. We should definitely do that at the end of the season. We'll go. <laughs> we'll go through the release list and pick our maybe three most likely to sign for. Oh, uh, a West Ham fan here says, "Are Sheffield United trying to corner the market on players I thought had retired? Billy Short, <laughs> Phil Jackie Elker, and now Jack Rodwell. <laughs> Rodwell's only like 29 or something, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Maybe 28, yeah. How many, sorry? I think he's 28, actually. Ah, there you go. He's got his whole career ahead of him. Um, 1,041 days since his last Premier League appearance. Uh, he touched the ball three times in his 20 minutes on the pitch and he was on the pitch for 10 minutes before he got his first touch. Yeah. How is that possible? Like, uh, he was playing... Uh, his... Well, someone did say, actually, it was a Sunderland fan. Someone goes, typical Jack Rodwell performance. Um, he looks like he wants the ball all the time, but he hides it from the ball. I don't know if that's true. I've not seen enough of him, but it, it is yeah. a weird sort of, you know, how he went that long without touching the ball. Yeah, indeed. Well, look, he uh, he comes on in the seventy seventh minute, and we equalise in the seventy ninth. What uh, what more do you need to know? Mm. So um, yeah, it's, it's definitely my my nominee as well. I was also going to uh, shout out O'Connell just for having him back on the bench, and obviously uh, obviously failed his medical at Liverpool ahead of his big big summer move that's supposed to be happening. However, yeah, well, you know, I saw someone actually say that we're we'll on next season. I've heard O'Connell's uh, Liverpool's going to loan him back to us. So. <laughs> oh, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Very, um, very but hopefully, hopefully Rangers do the same with Fleck as well and Everton with Egan because otherwise we're going to have been a right state, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. But yes, Jack Rodwell, congratulations, Jack. You are the winner of the Alternative Man of the Match this week brought to you by the Denblades fanzine. Um, some news on the fanzine. It has now been printed. Today, yes, apparently. or rather, it has gone gone to print today. Um, what can I say about this? The uh, the fanzine is no longer in a flippable format zine, but it still focuses on the past and present. Uh, alongside the fanzine, subscribers will receive a Blades Against Racism badge. You can still subscribe on the website at denblades.co.uk and they'll be posting out orders as soon as they receive the fanzine themselves from the printer. So good news indeed. That will be on its way very soon, hopefully. That is obviously at denblades.co.uk. Um, right, any any final uh, things to say about the draw with Burnley or do you want to quickly wrap up by talking about uh, the Wolves' next game? Yeah, I think, with that, I think that's it at Burnley. Decent point. I've took it before the game. Happy, yeah. Hmm. And on we go to Wolves, which is, uh, uh, you know, it was this, this is on Wednesday, isn't it? I think it's six o'clock again. You know, just, <laughs> just thick and fast doesn't really cover it. To be honest, is there any point where we get like more than two days, more than three days rest for the rest of the season? Absolutely not. I mean, I can't remember to be honest. It's... 
Okay, we got uh, we got five days. So yeah, we play Wolves at six o'clock on Wednesday, and then we've got Chelsea at five thirty on Saturday. But then we get a whole five days before Leicester. Watch out, Leicester! <laughs> yeah, you are in trouble. Six days. Can you imagine this? We play Everton on the twentieth, and then we play Southampton until the twenty sixth. Well, those teams are going to be in trouble. <laughs> and then there's going to be like a week off, uh, and then it's going to it's new season starts by the sounds of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, just just give us enough time to uh, do all our sort of season review content and then straight in, yeah. I suppose. Um, yeah. So about Wolves, uh, a team you and I certainly have a lot of uh, a lot of admiration for. I think yeah. you know just in terms of um, uh, the way they play. The uh, I like Nuno, the manager as well. I like the it's quite a novel approach, and it is very keen on a small squad mm. um, with everyone knowing their roles, which obviously has a, a lot of parallels with those kind of out of necessity, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. But has worked. They're obviously doing great in Europe um, before that was paused. They're, <laughs> they're pretty well placed to go for Champions League spot, you know? I mean, what are they, three points off Man United in fifth? Five yeah, off Chelsea? Yeah, I, I was really surprised they lost to uh, Arsenal, I have to admit. I, yeah. thought, I mean, maybe that's where the small squad thing has backfired. Obviously, I'm only supposing, I don't, I don't know. But I really, really were surprised that they lost because they've looked really good since lockdown and the form's been excellent and mm. I, th- I think they're up there I think they are the sixth best side in the league to be honest I'm looking now they've uh, only Liverpool have lost fewer games than them actually so mm. um, Re- yeah. really really good team and, and I think you know I think Man United and Chelsea are coming to, to form and stuff and Leicester have probably got enough points on the board to get over the line now but I, I think you know Wolves I can't see Arsenal finishing above Wolves for instance Oh no, it's only three points. I'd be really surprised. I think, I think Wolves are a lot better than. I think the drop off from six down is yeah. is quite significant. To be honest, six being where Wolves are at the moment. Yeah, that's how and I feel. I, yeah, and I think for most uh, a lot of the season, I would have said Wolves are way better than Man United, and mm. you know possibly better than Chelsea. To be honest, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a surprising defeat for sure. I mean, you know, I mentioned that that small squad. Um, th- this is a game that where. Uh, we come into it on pretty pretty equal footing from a rest perspective, I think. So they yeah. played, uh, they played on Saturday, didn't they? Um, yeah, so Saturday, really had... Saturday evening. So there wasn't that much difference. Yeah, exactly. So that's quite uh, that's quite new for us. I think most teams have had a bit more rest than we have. So that will help. They, I mean, they. I mentioned the small squad. They obviously still have much greater strength in depth than we do. You know, the weekend they're bringing on. Uh, Neto and uh, Jota, yeah, and we're giving Jack Rodwell his first Premier League approach <laughs> in three years. So yeah. you know that is quite a different, um, but you, difference rather. But you sort of wonder if I don't know if if this might hamper them a little bit. This small squad with this kind of unprecedented tight run of games. I mean, yeah, they mm. would have had the Europa League, but you know, it's not like there would have been a Europa League game every single week if indeed they'd still be in it at this stage. So yeah, yeah. I do wonder if maybe they maybe they start to drop off a little bit, but yeah, at the same time, you know, this and this and Chelsea at home, next two games, massive games would have been incredible if we'd been able to be there, but um, obviously mm. be very tough. Uh, certainly, our toughest two remaining games, but ones to look yeah. forward to in terms of like uh, testing ourselves, I think. Um, and yeah, yeah we'll it's, see I mean. If- it's- I'm really looking forward to this run of games, Tottenham Wolves and Chelsea being there, and that's the disappointment. Obviously, you're not going to. They're arguably not Wolves. We play them quite a lot, but Chelsea and Tottenham, obviously, two of the bigger teams in the league, been fantastic, wasn't it, to 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 be there? But you know, bring it on. I think we're getting to a more normal Sheffield United now. That the crowd thing 
he's still bad. He's still not as good. There's still definitely, obviously, something missing from football as a whole. But I think he's feeling a little bit more normal now. And, I, you know, it, again, just enjoy it. We've got nothing to nothing to lose. But we're, we're realistically, we, we can't. Well, we can't finish lower than fifteen. So, yeah, I just think winning that game against Spurs has just taken. Not that we're under pressure, but I think in my own head, it's taken off like any pressure of like. Uh, oh, we're sort of the rubbish. <laughs> yeah, just how I'll feel for the rest of the season. I mean, if we get outplayed and beaten by Wolves and Chelsea, I'm pretty much going to shrug a thing and just be like, well, it's Wolves and Chelsea. They have better players than us. Like, that's not. Like, this is what I said at the Burnley game yesterday. I said, look, we this one we were losing. I said, look, if we lose this game, it's not great. And we've not been fantastic. But I think we once again show with that performance that. We we haven't just fallen off a cliff like people predicted. We we are competitive in the league, and I think that's all you can ask for really at the moment. Yeah, definitely for a, a first season, and then see what uh, see what happens in the summer, I suppose, and uh, where we can kind of bolster ourselves. Although no, no, breaking news: Noel Whelan says he's not sure if John Swift, who we link with, is good enough for the Premier League. So maybe we should have a second look at that. <laughs> Noel Whelan. Yeah, yeah. The great Noel Whelan. I've not heard what's... his name since about like 1993. But... <laughs> I was about to say, what's the Noel Whelan connection with this? They're just like rung up every ex-footballer. I don't know, I just think Noel Whelan has doubts uh, over uh, John Swift <laughs> to, to perform in the Premier League. It's like, oh, well, Matt Wilder's had a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, Noel. Um, oh, so do because you... Leeds are linked with him as well. That's what it is. And obviously, oh, okay. Leeds, so, yeah. Fair enough. I always used to get confused that there was Noel, Will- Noel Whelan and Gifton Noel Williams playing at the yeah. same time. Yeah, yeah. Even, now, even now I trip over that one a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it just... I mean, you mentioned earlier, but thinking back to that first game with Wolves, we that was a one-all draw. It was a very... I, th- I felt like that was a fair result, but as you said, very similar to this Burnley game in that we, we had so many chances at the fr- uh, up front in the game. Moussa obviously gave us the lead almost in the first couple of minutes with a great finish, and then... McGoldrick missed some really good chances, didn't he? I feel like mm. Stevens or Baldock had quite a good chance that was well saved. Um, actually. Uh, but then they ended up getting back into it and equalising. And then it felt, I don't know, I didn't feel like we were, I don't feel like we got away with it, but they definitely were sort of on top towards the end of that game, I think. Yeah, what are the quotes from the view from? I've not published it yet, but I was getting a few quotes together. We were all over these at Molyneux, but we struggled to break them down after their early goals. That, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> no, I'd say they were all over us for like the last 10 minutes, maybe. Yeah, but... I think we could have been 3-0 up at half-time. Yeah, one, I do remember Traore, uh, unsurprisingly, caused this massive oh, problems. Yeah. Um, and someone should have been sent off. Do you remember who that was? Was it Baldock? Uh, was it Baldock? Yeah, Baldock for a second bookable, yeah. How, right, I'm going to touch wood here, but how has Bulldog not received a red card this season? <laughs> I predicted at the beginning of the season, I, was about, I think the second game at Palace, I said he's definitely going to get sent off, and he hasn't. It's <laughs> running out of games, but it's okay, George. Running out, I get, come on, do me a favour, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, now, I've had two sentences off. off, obviously, Egan and Sharp, haven't we? I don't think you'd have predicted those two to be sent off in the Premier Maybe Egan, I suppose, being a centre-half. But... Yeah, I suppose not. But, yeah, Traore, obviously, is uh, is the main threat. Although, yeah, didn't didn't really do a huge deal against Arsenal, which which did surprise me. They're not terrible. I, think, I mean, he started, didn't he? And there's a bit of a debate on their forum, actually, about whether he should start or if he's better off coming as an impact sub. Yeah, and he does. He has been generally used as an impact sub, and he coming yeah. on with like last twenty five minutes. It's, yeah, it's, it is that sort of thing. It's like, well, he's clearly one of the most talented players. Like, of course, you should play him as much as possible. But yeah. it does seem like, yeah, they he he is much more effective. I think Wolves. Uh, I think Wolves in the second half of games. Uh, I'm sure I saw this. I probably should 
look it up before just blathering it out there. But <laughs> uh, yeah, you can correct me if I'm wrong, or I'll delete it from the, from the <laughs> tweets. Anyway. But I think if like it was on second halves only, I think Wolves would be like top of the league or something like that. I think like, I have seen this actually. Yeah, they've just I been think, a- yeah. absolutely brilliant in the second halves of games. So and then you know obviously uh, him coming on is uh, is a big part of that for sure. Um, so yeah, very difficult game to come, but. Uh, yeah, I just feel completely like pressures off to be honest, and nothing to yeah, like, particularly stress great. about. And they're a good side. They're, they're all, I think they are better than us. I don't think I don't think I'm being negative saying that. Um, so we're not. I think we're definitely not the favourites or anything like that. So just looking at the fourth best side in the second half. They've only they've only lost two games in the second half though. Ah, okay. So yeah, good. Uh, good second half team. First half. That's insane. Bottom in the first half, is that? Yeah, bottom. They've only yeah, yeah. they've only had twenty seven points if matches have finished at half time. Yeah, yeah, that's it exactly. So they, I suppose that's the heart of that Triore debate, isn't it? That yeah. They yeah. Just basically get through the first half and then yeah, off he off he goes and uh, they they seem to improve massively in the second half for sure. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Um, right. So I'm looking forward to that. It's obviously only two days away. Another game coming up very quickly indeed. Uh, any final thoughts, mate, or do you want to tell people where they can check out the view from Burnley and the forthcoming view from Wolves? Yeah, it's www.roysviewfrom.com or at Panchero on Twitter. People keep asking me about this Wednesday preseason predictions view, and I'm trying to coincide it with their hopefully their points deduction. But <laughs> been a lot of rumours going around um, where they might not be getting points knocked off. So just bear with me. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping my my uh, what's the word? What's the phrase? Powder dry. Powder dry. Keep them a powder. Yeah. Dry, yeah. So um, yeah, just bear with me. I mean, hopefully there's a double celebration coming where you can read that as you're laughing at them getting twelve points knocked off. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone re-upped the uh, uh, Brentford views on John Egan yesterday. Who that? that it is a classic. I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one to revisit. Um, it's and, not yeah, good enough, that... obviously. I mean, my favourite one is still the the commentary one with Fleck. That 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 is a, an all time. If you've not seen that one, just put in commentary fan views on John Fleck and just laugh and laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good place to end it for this week, I think. So yeah, another another good point for the Blades. Uh, we sit very nicely in eighth place in the Premier League, forty eight points from our thirty three games. Can we make it 51 on uh, Wednesday night? Here's hoping that would be a fantastic result if we can pull that one off. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's go. Right, mate, um, I will speak to you later. Thank you, as always, for your time. Thanks a lot, mate. Cheers. Cheers. Talk to you in a bit. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks very much to you for listening and downloading. And finally, thank you also to Beer52, sponsor of this podcast. A reminder, Beer52 are offering a free case of their handpicked beers to BlazePod subscribers. All you need to do is head to beer52.com slash BlazePod, sign up and cover just the 4 95 for postage. They will deliver a case of eight free beers direct to your door, meaning you barely need to leave the sofa to sip delicious craft beer from around the world. And these aren't just any beers. Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. They traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting craft beers from the greatest small batch breweries that are out there and deliver it straight to your door. They do not hold you to ransom. You can leave at any time with no cost to you. Sign up today. Get your free case of craft beer. You get it from beer52.com slash bladespod. That's the words beer and the numbers 52.com slash bladespod.